Thank you, Bing. This morning, get my papers all laid out here. Start out with a quote from our book from Jizo Bodhisattva, Guardian of Children. Travelers and Other Voyagers by Jan Chosen Bays. When spiritual practice is the foundation of our lives, we sometimes seem to be swimming upstream against the determined drive of our own ego and society to accumulate material wealth, individual power. Jizo's unflagging optimism illuminates our nights of self-doubt. Her endless vow shores up our flagging determination. His benevolence melts our harsh judgment of ignorance, both our own and the ignorance of others. The example of Jizo inspires us to get up out of bed and to practice and when practicing to begin to experience benefit for ourselves and for others. So I love the changing of genders uh, for Jizo and Avalokiteshvara, the fluidity, the ability to be both feminine and masculine to take full power of our diversity of gender and our diversity of expression of how to be of service in the world. One of our Sangha members sent me an email recently asking, is there a special reason behind us studying Jizo Bodhisattva at this time? So I thought I would answer with a few special reasons. I love Jizo. Uh, I wanted to introduce you to this book and for us to read it as an inspiration during this time when many of us might feel like we are swimming upstream. When we may be in the way of up and down, trying to cope with our own ego, our desire to accumulate wealth and possessions during a time when we hear that there's going to be a recession, scarcity, scarcity, big neon sign instead of abundance, overflowing generosity and kindness. I thought 
a good reason was because of Jizo's unflagging optimism. Jizo's great vow. It said that Jizo Bodhisattva, Earth Body Buddha, is the Bodhisattva with the greatest vow. And the author of this book, also the Roshi at Great Vow Monastery in Oregon, is someone who inspired me, who was a Dharma sister in my early days, though she was already very senior to me. She was an inspiration to every woman in our Sangha at the time. There was no one else who had really been given the kind of mm, Dharma seat, the transmission, uh, the recognition. And soon she was joined uh, by another great teacher, Joko Beck, uh, as women who had broken through the, the glass ceiling. So Jan Chosen Bays is a doctor. She's been a doctor since 1978, uh, and she became ordained in 1979. So she has been practicing and uh, working as a priest and a doctor, a pediatrician, right along ever since. And the medical work she did inspired her to begin to study and then also to embody the teachings of Jizo. She was particularly struck by the sorrow of people with children who were ill or children who died. And as we know, Jizo has made a promise to enter all of the realms of pain, all of the realms of unhappiness, of hell, for everyone to accompany especially children and travelers and voyagers. And I would say, without a doubt, all of us have been all of those things. So I also was a fan of hearing in my early days that Jizo is called the Bodhisattva without a wristwatch. Uh, a vow without a calendar. It's an endless vow. And that inspired me. It made me realize that I wasn't just vowing once. That I wasn't making a vow, breaking a vow, and then thinking, oh, I can never go back to it. No, you can always go back to it. And Jizo goes with us. Somehow things turn up in the preparation for a talk that often make me go back to an earlier part of my life. And this week a quote from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came to light. She, as you know, is one of the grandmothers of the hospice movement, of the death and dying movement in our country and around the world. And I got a chance to work for her, oh gosh, mid-70s, I guess. Um, 
to start a hospice institute in New Mexico. I have probably spoken of her before just to say she was a difficult and totally supercharged bodhisattva of a person uh, and often was quite cranky. Would give you a piece of her wisdom with a cigarette dangling from her mouth and the ash would fly, fall off in the middle of it. Um, she, she kind of upended my idea of a spiritual teacher in a lot of ways. And that was really good for me. So there was a statement that came across my something this week. She said, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and they have found their way out of the depths. These people have an appreciation, a sensitivity, an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, with gentleness, with a deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. I read it several times and I thought, you know, I'm good with everything except that last line. Beautiful people do not just happen. And it was really hard to disagree with Elizabeth. But I do disagree with her. So I think she's probably watching from a perch up above a Dharma seat where hopefully she can feel the appreciation of so many people who she gave her benefit to her beneficence in her cranky way. But Elizabeth, beautiful people do not just happen. Beautiful people are happening all the time. And Jizo reminds us of that. Jizo asks us and accompanies us to look in the great ancient mirror. So I read a poem by John O'Donoghue. You might remember it was called A Community of the Spirit. It started with There's a community of the spirit. Join it. Feel the delight of walking in the noisy street and being the noise. Drink all your passion. Be a disgrace. Close both eyes to see with the other eye. Open your hands if you want to be held and sit down in the circle. Sit down in the circle. Forget yourself and how much you criticize yourself. Sit down in the circle. 
see with the other eye. There are many other views to see. So when I thought about the community of the spirit, I thought another reason why I chose to do this is because we are a community of the spirit. We are the beautiful people who are struggling, who are swimming upstream. You might remember that I also quoted Lila June Johnston, wonderful Dene. She can't even be called an elder. I think she's in her early 30s. She's Dene and also European. And she said to us, our task is to honor our ancestors, even those who caved beneath the weight of systemic destruction and became conquerors themselves. Our task is to remember we are those beautiful earth people. So we are those beautiful earth people. Beautiful people do not just happen. We are born as beautiful earth people. Why learn about Jizo now? Well, I would say thinking about what's needed. <clears throat> There's a saying among Wampanoag elders. Wampanoags are, are tribal people who live on the east coast of the United States, near where I was born, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont. They say, our people do not discuss genocide without prayer and ceremony. Some of you have been watching the Ken Burns documentary about the Holocaust. I've heard it from several people, several friends how difficult it is, how necessary it is to know about these genocides. And it's why I often quote Native people, because the genocide that they experienced and which has not been witnessed so publicly, which has not been reconciled with, there have been many genocides. We need many prayers, many ceremonies, just to be with the sorrow, to be the earth people who are so beautiful, and to remember that everyone has known defeat, everyone has known loss. We all suffer every single day. And many, many people are traveling through hell realms right now. Some very publicly. Some privately. And all beings, all beings need gentle, loving care. Blessings, prayers, 
ceremonies. They need our imaginations. Imagine, as Norman's book said to us some years ago, life could be otherwise. And he often says that he argued with the publishers he wanted to call it life is otherwise. But for some reason they didn't like that and he went along finally with could be. Because what he meant also was that our imaginations have the power to remember, to re-bring back together the wholeness of ourselves. And the wholeness includes the grief and the loss. So why Jizo Bodhisattva now? Well, because we're in the season of acknowledging and in some cases actually celebrating our grief. On Halloween, which originated, actually was a part of a Celtic festival, Samhain, it's still practiced today in Ireland and Wales. It's a day considered to be the beginning of winter when the herds are returned from the pastures, when land tenures are renewed. It's also a day when all the souls who have died come home, visit, especially those who have died in the past year. And then there are the Days of the Dead, November 1st and 2nd, which are more of a celebration of the dead. There's joy, there's dancing, singing in those celebrations. People actually spend the night in the graveyards, hanging out with those who are already gone. And then there's Armistice Day where people lay down their arms, where there is peace, celebrated, remembered. We have replaced it with, in some ways replaced it, maybe not uh, really, but as Veterans Day. And of course, it is a remembrance of veterans, but it's much bigger than that. And when we do gather on November 11th, Wendy's going to remember Armistice Day in ways that will bring it into a full a wholeness that we may have been missing. So a few more why Jizo. Why Jizo? Because of the Buddha's five remembrances. I am of the nature to grow old. There's no way to escape growing old. I am of the nature to have ill health. There's no way to escape ill health. I am of the nature to die and there's no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There's no way to escape being separated from them. We all change. We will all be separated from one another. 
we will all say goodbye. And finally, my actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground upon which I stand. The five remembrances. It's always very sobering, humbling to look at those, to remember our true size. So why Jizo? We're more fluent these days in the story of our catastrophes and our dysfunctions. Yes, this is real. And as Krista Tippett says, that's not the whole story of us. The generative story is something to look into. The generative narrative those things in our lives which might seem ordinary, but they're abundant and rich and nourishing. They're food, they're learning, they're growth, and it's all happening at the same time as the catastrophe and dysfunction is happening. But let's make that the default. Let's go there, let's voyage with Jizo Bodhisattva in the great vow to save all beings, to treat everyone with dignity, with care, with creativity and imagination. So imagine that you really are speaking to Jizo Bodhisattva when you look at your neighbor, at your spouse. And look at the generative story that's told by Jizo Bodhisattva, Earth Story Buddha. So in way of introducing us to some of the beautiful practices of Jizo Bodhisattva, Wendy and I wanted to show you a short video of Jan Chosen Base in her Jizo Garden at Great Vow Monastery. <laughs> Wendy, do you want to say something before I start the video, my dear? Just thank you very much, Dawn, for the clarifying practicing in this time and uh, practicing with Jizo Bodhisattva, Earth Womb Consciousness, Earth Womb Store, or Store of the Earth Womb, turning those names, Kshitigarbha. Um, and, and also huge gratitude to Jan Chosen Bays and to Yvonne Rand, um, whom we're remembering next week, um, a ceremony, a celebration of her life. Um, together, she and Jan worked um, shoulder to shoulder as Zen women, uh, householders, women of, the, women of the world, and also ordained priests in the world. Together, they worked to bring up willingness to suffer and go down into hell and to accompany one another. So gratitude to both of these matriarchs and their courage and ongoing practice. And um, I had the deep pleasure in, 19, in 2008 of visiting um, Great Vale Monastery right on the edge of um, 
Clackamas and the Columbia River, the Great Columbia River, where Jan practices Great Vale Monastery, where she, where Chosen and her husband Hosen practice with a wonderful dynamic community. And seeing this Jizo Garden at its earliest iteration. So in particular, I delight in this film we're about to see, short film we're about to see of this garden. And maybe afterwards I could say something about the Jizo figure in the Green Gulch um, Glass House, which is from which was a gift from from Chosen many years ago, and how we've practiced with that figure, um, combining harvest and sharing food, and um, and connecting that also to being willing to um, to uh, no defeat, as you said this morning. So, yeah, thank you for this topic, and much more to be said. The book is wonderful everyone that this is a wonderful book i know it's hard to find but it is possible to find it um not that hard not that hard <laughs> yeah yeah it can be done <laughs> and it does support um this deep work yeah so more to be said okay thanks when yeah Welcome to our Jizo Garden here at Great Vow Zen Monastery. During the time of the COVID pandemic, we can't have guests, so we thought we'd make a film so that you could get a virtual tour of this beautiful garden. This is a remembrance garden, a remembrance of people who've died, in particular of children who died. And we have a ceremony several times a year, usually pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. We'll do it again for um, remembering people who've died. And we have in this garden 108 statues. We call them Jizo statues. They were donated by Reverend Matsuura, who is the abbot, just retiring, of Mibudera, a temple in Kyoto, a very old temple which has a Jizo as its central image. As Kyoto has expanded and they've dug up land for subways or for new housing developments, they've discovered many gravestones hidden around the outskirts of Kyoto, and they bring those to Mibudera. So Reverend Matsuura has, I think, over a thousand, which he's arranged in a very beautiful pagoda there. So if you go to Kyoto, be sure to visit Mibudera. This is the stairway leading to the Jizo Garden. And when we constructed the stairway, we purposely put in uh, tiles from temples in three countries that have helped bring Buddhism, then Buddhism in specifically, to America. So there are tiles from uh, Sogenji in Japan. There's one here. And there are some smaller tiles from a temple in Korea, as I lived in Korea when I was young for several years. And then there are tiles at the top, which we'll show you from the Great Wall in China. And we have some lovely Jizos that people have made in, uh, in our Jizo retreats. This one over here, I made, and uh, the technique is that you cast what's called Oregon carving stone inside a stovepipe, and you unmold it on day two, and then you can actually carve it with a kitchen knife. And then after about four days, it hardens, so you have to get your work done in a few days. 
And here's another one, Stovepipe Jizo here. And then this is uh, a Jizo from Japan. And um, it had been, the statue had been broken, and we buried part of it into the earth, the broken part, so that it represents earth store bodhisattva emerging from the earth. As we walk through the garden, you'll see lots of Jizos that people have made or placed here in remembrance of someone. People always ask us, how do you get them to grow moss on them? And actually, the problem in Oregon is how to have moss not grow on them. But it's very sweet. Often they have a beard or their are little eyelashes. They The moss makes little eyelashes. It's very cute. Let's go down this little side path here and I'll show you something. This is an example of how the garden looks uh, right after a Jizo ceremony when people have made remembrance tokens that are fresh. So uh, this Jizo has a, a knitted or crocheted hat and a beautiful bib. This one over here has a hat and a bib and some beads, alphabet beads and some other beautiful little remembrance tokens. This little yellow telephone, toy telephone was brought by a foster mother who came to do a remembrance ceremony for a child that she had, had been born addicted. And then she had fostered the baby for a year or so. And then the child went back home and unfortunately was the victim of child abuse and died. And this was all she had left of his possessions. And so she brought it to leave them, leave it here. This is our Jizo mailbox, which was made by one of our members at my request. And it says, write a letter to Jizo. And on this side are writing supplies. So there are pens, pencils, writing paper, and envelopes. And then people can mail their message to Jizo over here and put up a flag to let me know, oh, there's a message here. So we do, we have one message here, which is from uh, a little boy whose brother was stillborn. So they have a Jizo in the garden, but this is a letter. It says, love you, Raja, from Vajra, your little brother. So I'll take this with me. I have a collection of these notes. Often I come to the Jizo garden and find that new things have been left here because people know that they can come here anytime and leave memorial tokens. And this is a memorial for a dog who died. It's actually one of our residents was her pet dog. So this is a very beautiful memorial that she made for her dog. This is an example of a memorial for a baby who died. And the family comes and leaves tokens of remembrance. Now we're entering the place where we do our remembrance ceremonies. So we have this beautiful clearing, which was here when we moved here over 20 years ago. And we have these two giant trees, probably over a hundred years old, they've twisted around each other and made one united tree. So we call them the parent tree. It's a big leaf maple tree, or trees. And look here, there's a saw cut here, like somebody tried to start to saw this tree down, but it still lived and joined this other tree. 
and one of the Jesus that's in this cave came from a high school class of kids that couldn't do well in a regular high school, so they were in an alternative school. And when we were doing our Jesus for Peace pilgrimage, they each made a little Jesus statue out of wax, out of beeswax, and brought them here, and they were so sweet. Uh, they were so sweet. One was like, I don't know, six foot eight, big guy, teenager, and he was just trembling. Uh, and he said, is, 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 is it okay if I take my Jesus and put it in here? I said, yes, it's fine. <laughs> and this is a uh, stone with a Jizo etched on it that was done by our beloved friend Dan O'Conroy, who lived here at the monastery for the last few years of his life. And before that, before he became ill, he had painted the entire monastery inside and out, I think, maybe twice, because he was a house painter. This Jizo is in remembrance of one of our members named Alex, and he was um, an artist, both a painter and a ceramic artist. And he began experiencing some mental difficulties and died in a few years of what turned out to be mad cow disease, a genetic form of mad cow disease. And down here at the, at the base is someone's made a little boat and there's a, a Jizo ferrying people to the other side. So these are some of the 108 um, stone figures, Buddhist figures, that were donated by uh, Reverend Matsura from Mibudera Temple. And you can see they're very weathered, they're very old. And you can see more. We're going to do a little sweep so you can see them. And they surround the clearing where we do the Jizo ceremony. One of our dear friends is Ajahn Amaro, who was um, abbot of Abayagiri Monastery in Northern California and is now in England and is the abbot of Amravati. He's a Theravada monk. And at Abayagiri, they had a young boy uh, from an Asian family who became sick with cancer and died. He was a very sweet child, he said. And they asked for a Jizo statue to remember him. So we sent a Jizo statue like this. And over the years, it began to deteriorate like this. And they realized that the mice were eating the Jizo statue to get calcium, presumably. So Ajahn Amro was very moved by this because his mother in England, before he became a monk in Thailand, his mother used to feed the mice in the house, the wild mice. And when she became sick and was dying, she, was, she said, who will feed the mice? And so Arjun Amro, this is years later, realized that Jizo is feeding the mice. One of our members discovered that she loved to make peace poles um, and paint them. And we have several around the monastery. This is one in the Jizo garden. And on this side it says, Deep Peace from the Quiet Earth. And on this side it says, Listen, Nature's Wisdom 
flows. And then on this side, it says, Seek beauty everywhere. And over here, it says, In the forest, the great door opens. This is a memorial made by one of our members for his daughter who died in her mid-twenties. Uh, she died actually of lung cancer. She had never smoked, so it was quite mysterious, but very rapidly progressive, and she was a very sweet young woman. And he's a carpenter, so he made this beautiful altar for her. This is the part of the Jizo Garden Path called the Avenue of Nothing is Broken. So when something breaks at the monastery, people bring it to me and I glue it back together or figure out how to use it as a part of our garden so that its life is continues to be useful. And that's true of all of us. No one is broken. Everyone's life has a purpose and fits into the giant jigsaw puzzle that makes up this universe. So this is an example here. This is a bowl from the kitchen that broke. And so now it's a Jizo memorial. These uh, beautiful pink flowers that are blooming here are a wild bleeding heart. Bleeding heart is so appropriate for a remembrance garden because when someone dies, it leaves a hole in our heart shaped like that unique person. And that hole will never close, but it will soften, filled with memories and love. This is another example of nothing is broken. Everything is useful. This actually belonged to my mother-in-law. It's a fancy serving dish. This is another example of nothing is broken. This Jizo is sitting on a bowl that was broken, and then this, is, this was a uh, plate. Thanks so much for joining us in our tour of our Jizo garden here at Great Vows and Monastery. And know that you're welcome to visit any time, even during the time of covid um, because it's outdoors, and if somebody stops you, just say, I'm here to visit the Jizo Garden. And hopefully, uh, by the end of the year, we'll be able to begin doing our remembrance ceremonies again. Thank you to Jan Chosen Bays and the Great Vow community. So beautiful. And as we have Wendy give us some final thoughts, we have time to have some breakout groups after, but I wanted to ask that you think about if you were going to create a Jizo statue, who would you create it for? Mm. We're going to have a ceremony uh, towards the end of the practice of this book. We haven't decided on the date yet, but um, we're going to invite everybody to make Jesus. So, Wendy, please share with us. Thank you, Jean. I'm remembering um, many years ago when Chosen uh, was practicing with us very, very actively at um, here in the Bay Area and, and the field before Great Vale Monastery was um, revealed to them before it was offered to them. It's a former middle school and she's transformed it. They have transformed it into a wonderful place of practice. Anyway, before Great Vow, she was actively functioning as a physician. 
particular because of her, the confluence of GISO practice and the work she was doing in pediatrics. She was, she found herself working with uh, young mothers, with young women who had to uh, make the choice of abortion in their lives in order to, um, to continue their lives. And she was their physician, not only their physician, but a, a deep counselor. And that practice of serving these extraordinary young women in her practice moved her so deeply. She created a beautiful Jizo figure out of raw clay before the stovepipe Jizos, just raw clay, almost um, very primitive figure and um, formed it together, a Jizo um, rocking a baby. In, um, in the cradle of their arms, I'll say, bringing his and her together in their arms. In their arms, this earth store bodhisattva rocking a baby, a newborn baby. And she sent the figure to us at San Francisco Zen Center at Green Gulch, thinking it could be in, enshrined. And in fact, um, the consensus was, let's take this figure, this raw earth figure down and put it in the public greenhouse at in the fields so that it, this figure can greet many beings, not just human beings, but more than human beings as well. And so for the last, oh, I don't know, close to 20 years, probably, this raw and powerful figure has been um, sitting and practicing in the core of the um, glass, not glass house, tube house at Green Gulch. When the harvest is brought in, the figure, um, this figure, this Jizo figure reminds us that all beings in all worlds can go down a hell and come back new and refreshed and deepened. And, um, and that all beings in the 10 directions take care of unborn babies and those who are trapped in the wheel of, of having to bring forth birth or to make the decision that the women, young women that Jan was, that Chosen was working with had to make. And I love this figure. Um, I wish I had sent you a picture, Jean, that we could put up on the screen. It's um I will do so, so that we can um, take a look during this week. Um, a beautiful picture of the whole harvest is spread out behind Jizo Bodhisattva now. And every time I walk by and offer incense, I remember Chosen and her vow to work with, um, particularly in, in this case, women, young women who are in harm's way and how deeply relational that is right now, given what we're facing um, in our country right now. As this decision to um, difficult decision is um, challenged, so I'm extremely grateful for this raw figure in the greenhouse and the garden. The, the garden, the Jizo garden, out in the main gardens at Zen Center, spreads out from the tube house. Yeah, so let's let's go into small groups. Thank you for the prompt. Sure, if you could. Imagine a Jizo who you are going to 